What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are, of course, in the heart of all things. That is Clarendon. Back again for episode 255. It's 255. Wow. A big show to get into today. Across from me, I've got my co-host, Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? Hey, I'm back. It's been a while. It has been, been a while. close to a month You or know what? So. It's been a while, but the way we recorded things, people haven't missed you that much because we slid in the Tracksmith interview last week. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to some, it's like you never left. Yeah, that's true. But it's been a while since we did record because that was Halloween. You were talking about Halloween then. Yeah, now we're talking about Thanksgiving. Now we're talking about Thanksgiving as we record here, Friday, November 20th. We do have a big show to get to. Excited to be joined on the phone by a buddy of ours, uh, longtime friend and partner of Pacers Running, uh, Josh Merlis. He is the founder and operator of ARE Event Productions. That's the Albany Running Exchange Event Productions. Uh, and he put on a, an in-person marathon, half marathon, and 5K this past week. Uh, the Upstate Classic, first year of the Upstate Classic, and I was a participant in the Upstate Classic. So we'll talk to Josh about that, and I'll share a little bit of my story uh, as we get into the program today. Also on today's show, a local runner is going after a big record. So we want to talk about that uh, later on in the show as well. I went out to Albany this past week, and I was a participant in the Upstate Classic Marathon. First Daniel Upstate Classic Marathon. We'll talk to Josh Merlis about it here in depth in a little bit. And I was able to complete my 22nd year of a sub three-hour marathon. I ran 255, and it was just an unbelievable experience. And um, What was your favorite part about it? You know, I, I, I really think it wasn't even close, the fact that I was able to get together in person and be able to do something like a road race that something that I do numerous times every single year and was able to actually do it. It gave me a sense of normalcy. Um, there was, you know, it was that I had more pre-race jitters and excitement than I normally would have for uh, a regular road race, not only because it was, you know, my attempt at my marathon and there was going to be no solo marathon on Haynes Point or any breaking three. This was it. If I didn't do it there, the streak was over. Uh, but it was also because it, it was just, you know, the only uh, road race that I've done all year. And, you know, in, in this time, it, it really was something that, that I felt like I really needed emotionally to feel like a normal person or do what I normally do. And it was huge for me. I didn't realize how impactful it would be um, to be out there and, and to be able to do this, uh, but it was, it was, I mean, it was like brought me to tears at the end of the race. And I probably cry after every marathon, but this one was definitely a highlight of 2020. It really was. It was great too to be able to track it online. It felt like even, even from home with uh, the boys that weekend, <laughs> it felt a little bit more normal. Yeah following your results and the live results that were coming in. And do you remember the song that I sang to you when you came home? Your big heroes. Welcome. Um, let's see. Was it, um, we had a dance party that night hmm, um, with the boys. Was it, um, Enrique Iglesias, a hero comes along. 
<laughs> no, 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 never yeah, be that. That was, yeah, that was no, not it. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. my dream. So we we we, uh, we played. Uh, we are the champions for you. It's the <laughs> oh, first time right. the boys ever heard that one. That's right. That was but really I nice. also did. I also did a little Taylor Swift rendition of Twenty Two oh, for your twenty what okay. twenty second nice. marathon. That was awesome. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling twenty two. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that was uh, that was your big hero's welcome. Well, th- those were two uh, great songs. Um, yeah, it was uh, a great event. I do appreciate your support. Uh, you were you were locked in. Um, I've got this watch um, that you know it's connected to. It's got it's got a, a wireless card in it, so it's connected to my text messages, and I could actually see you text messaging during that you were following my results because Josh did a great job of live results, of course. Um, and that was actually pretty cool. Well, you were laughing because it was a text message conversation between me, you, and your mom. We yeah. didn't actually think you were seeing it or paying attention <laughs> right. to it. But then again, this is Chris Farley. He's always got yeah, his technology got on him. Right. And your mom was like, I don't know how to do the math. <laughs> I don't know how fast he's running. So yeah. I kept having to screenshot her like the live results, even though she was watching the live results. <laughs> but the live results were telling us what the average time was. Right. Your average finishing projected time, time, projected time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty comical because I think you were actually laughing out loud in the race as you were seeing some of these I was, come through. I was, but I was more excited that you actually were paying attention to the race. I was glad. Of that. We were, yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. know you were. And I was proud to know that you weren't tweeting during it. So. <laughs> no, there was no tweeting or texting during this race. As you've gotten older, you've you have oh, less of those luxuries. No, I, I I don't have that. Eight years ago, you were yeah. a little arrogant. And I had tweeting. A, a window of opportunity to do that, but no, not anymore. I need to. Yeah, I needed to uh, every every moment I could on the on the race every, course. You need be, every inch. Yeah, so two fifty five. It was awesome, and thanks for uh, the Pace the Nation Nation support. I got a lot of nice texts, tweets, text messages, all that stuff. Really appreciate everybody's support. Uh, and the guy who really made it happen is Josh Merlis. Um, he's been a partner of ours. We've done a lot of events together over the years. We spent a lot of time together, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the best timers, really, in the country. If, in the best timer in the world, honestly. He works on a, a number of huge events. He's got a series of, of, of races that he owns and operates in Albany and then works on hundreds of events uh, throughout the year during a non-COVID year. We actually found him on a YouTube video, uh, you know, because, you know, it, it's interesting the connection between, you know, here we're in DC, they're in Albany and we do so many races together. How do people ask me, well, how did you guys get connected? I saw him on a YouTube video, probably like 2004 or something like that, 2005. And we were new to the, the event, the event business. Um, and you know, he was building his event business and you know, he, um, you know, put, put out these YouTube videos of the energy and excitement of the events that he worked on. And I was immediately drawn to him and his staff and the way that they did business and I just kind of cold called him. And fortunately, at the time, he uh, called me back or emailed me back. And uh, we've built this like amazing uh, partnership and relationship through the years together. And uh, just an honor to be able to work with him because, I, like I said, he is, you know, one of the best in the business, if not the best. I do love uh, Josh has done anything from, you know, New York City marathon splits to, you know, helping execute the Nike women's half marathon. Yep. 
And then he'll do like 200, 300 person races. <laughs> he'll do trail events. He yeah. does. I mean, he just loves the sport. He does. And so he's covered it at every level. I think he's done like the D3 cross country championships. Yeah. I mean, he is, um, he's a guru in, in yeah, this sport um, really and, and in what he does. So it's just really fun because he's so passionate about it and he's passionate about it on every single level. No doubt. All right. Well, let's bring him in. Excited to be joined next by the founder and operator, the owner of Airy Event Productions. Josh Merlis joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined by, you know, he's a really good friend of ours. We just talked about him before in the intro. Uh, he is the owner, proprietor, and founder of ARE Event Productions. It's Josh Merlis. Josh, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How you doing? We're doing great, man. What a week. We were just talking about it before you came on. What a week. What a weekend it was. Um, it's Friday as we record here, Josh. It's what, What's today, Julie? The 20th. The 20th. Friday the 20th. Um I, I assume you probably wouldn't have had time for a podcast last Friday, uh, a week ago today. <laughs> that, well, uh, maybe at 3 a.m. we could have squeezed it in. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, that, is, that is correct. Last week, was uh, there was not a lot of time that was not literally physically you know, at the event getting ready. Yeah, man. Well, you did an amazing job. Uh, I, I, I described it a little bit before we came on. It was my 20 second. I'm going to make it about me here for a second, and then we're going to talk Josh. For a second? Yeah. yeah. Are you it sure? Is it 20- just going to be one second about <laughs> it you? It was my 22nd year in a row uh, doing a sub three-hour marathon. I did it at the Upstate Classic. Uh, unbelievable first-year event. We're going to talk a lot about that, Josh, but uh, before we do... Um, and again, I told the audience before you came on, I found you, actually it was my business partner, Kathy, and I found you um, via YouTube videos probably like 15 years ago. This was before anybody was doing YouTube videos. These guys were doing like, you know, event production, announcing, timing, everything. Um, and and they, they, they brought just a, a unique, amazing energy. I mean, we were, Kathy and I were like, we got to partner with these guys. When did you start uh, Albany Running Exchange? I started uh, Albany Running Exchange in the fall of 2002, so just over 18 years ago. Okay, and at the time, what was the business? It wasn't what it is now, obviously. What was the idea for the business? Sure, so, I mean, the business really came after that. When I started the Albany Running Exchange in uh, 2002, I was a college student at the University of Albany, Mm -hmm. and you know, the, the exchange was started in, in essence as a running club that would get not just members of the, uh, not just students, but members of the community to come together to run. Mm-hmm. And we immediately created the Dodge the Deer 5K. Uh, it was scheduled for April of 2003, but, you know, in the fall of 2002, we laid the groundwork for it and uh, opened registration. And so our original purpose, in addition to providing racing, uh, running opportunities, was to also create some events, some races, and to fundraise so that members of the club that were student that were students at the University of Albany could afford race entry fees and you know buy some singlets and mm-hmm. just kind of typical college club stuff. 
Yeah, and fast forward, you know, uh, 18 years later, he's uh, got a premier event company in the country, uh, one of the best uh, timers in the uh, in the world, I'll say. I don't think I'm speaking, uh, uh, I don't think I, I'm overstating that, saying that, but was it, was it going to be a business when you started it, or was this kind of a fun thing to do on the side? Well, yeah, it was a fun thing to do on the side of uh, class and trying to find, you know, a, a quote unquote real job right. that uh, my family would be proud of, right. at least at first. <laughs> but uh, after three years, uh, at the end of 2005, so three years later, we created a few of our own events, uh, you know, a few of our own races. We had a summer trail run series going. And around the beginning of 06 is when the first person reached out to us, soliciting us to provide timing and entertainment at her at her event okay so we were not looking to get into this business but we began to get these i, I guess cold calls but <laughs> i mean they were cold calls to us right you know, to hire us so uh, in 2006 after some significant prodding by the uh director of the saint Anne saint john spring runoff 5k in albany uh we said yes Mm-hmm. And so the first race we ever timed for someone else was in April of 2006. And then roughly five months later, uh, we did time a college race for St. Rose College uh, later that fall. So we did two events that year and then things began to snowball from there. <laughs> and uh, when did you realize this could be actually a business and work that my family could be proud of? Or maybe they're ne- maybe they, they still don't think it's a business or proud of the business. Well, you know, there's a little more job security <laughs> right. when, when I was a high school teacher, which is I right. was a high school teacher uh, for a few years after I graduated right. college. But uh, in terms of you know seeing that jump, two two thousand eight would be the year. Okay. And so in oh six, as I said, we had two contracted events. We did about a dozen in oh seven. And then in 08, those 12 events jumped to 40. Wow. And that's also when we purchased our first chip system, uh, you know, transponder system to, to make it a lot easier and more accurate to time much larger events. And, you know, also I would say that emotionally and just kind of from a passion perspective, you know, it was really exciting to see it grow. And so beyond, you know, the reality of how am I going to make the finances work, right. I was reaching a point at school where all I could think about was creating events. And was it really fair of me as a teacher? My, my attention, you know, I'd say when I was in the classroom, you know, I was, I was totally dialed in. Yeah. But when I was home, all of my free time was consumed with just this, this excitement for the ability to create things and not be like, there were no constraints, you know, it was whatever I dreamt I could make happen. And that's what I wanted to do. Yep. Josh is a real passionate runner. Uh, I think you still run a good bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Uh, my, you know, I don't race very much these days for a variety of reasons. Yep. Uh, go figure. Uh, I was actually signed up for my first half Ironman this year, which of course is canceled. Right. And I did have another race. Uh, I, I registered for it, you know, in March one night, and uh, they canceled the next day. Yeah. So uh, no refunds. So uh, I and I and that was the night that the entry fees jumped. So I figured the the price jumped. So anyway, yeah, no, I'm definitely on both sides of the finish line. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to racing when when I can. Yeah. So you use a bit, you know, obviously this is your passion and passionate uh, 
runner. Uh, the, the website is ARE Event Productions. Um, tell our audience, before we start talking about Upstate Classic, some of the some of the events that you've worked on, some of the bigger events. Obviously, you own and operate you know, hundreds of events in Albany, but you've done more events, you know, outside all over the country, right? That, that is correct. So, I mean, outside of the country, you know, we haven't done too much. We worked the Bermuda Marathon okay. a few years ago, and that was definitely a, a, an interesting trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with customs, with our equipment, you know, it, was, it added some curveballs we don't deal with working, mm-hmm. you know, in America. Um, we've also done a lot of work in Canada, Canada. Yep. We've also had some issues at the border, <laughs> uh, including one event where we ultimately did not get in, but, uh, we ended up training the Canadian team at a hotel in Niagara Falls and then working the event remotely from a hotel room. I mean, that's a whole story that we should spend a whole podcast on. It's ridiculous. I mean, but when you're trying to get these timing boxes and this equipment, that a lot of people don't know what, I mean, it, it's for, it looks a little bit foreign to a lot of folks. I can see maybe it, at customs being an issue. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some other issues related to the paperwork and permits and whatnot. And you know, it's just weird. Who would have thought, you know, I mean, I'm a race timer and all of a sudden I'm dealing with NAFTA. <laughs> so, it, right. you know, I, I, so we've, and we were doing some work for Nike up there uh, in Toronto. Yeah. So stateside in terms of big stuff, you know, we have times some national championships, both at the college and professional level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did time a world best. Molly Huddle set him a 12K record a few years ago at the .US 12K National Championships yep. in uh, the Alexandria, Virginia area. Yep. And, you know, some of the... It's interesting because there's, you know, there's events people have heard of. Like, you know, we've worked roughly five to eight splits of the New York City Marathon for the past five plus years. We've helped out with the Flying Pig Marathon. But... The Nike events that we've worked have really uh, issued a challenge to us that excites me. And, you know, we worked uh, for two years until they stopped holding it. They're the final two years of the Nike Women's San Francisco Half Marathon. Mm-hmm. With, uh, it was almost 30,000 registrants. And we've, we've done several other events for them, including concurrent events in Los Angeles and New York City, which was, which was you know, neat to have teams on opposite coasts. But uh, the... What, what I take a, a lot of pride in is, you know, my whole team is comprised of, of runners themselves and, and with talents that really apply to what we're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, I mean, Nike brought us to Toronto, to DC, to San Francisco, to Los Angeles. And, uh, I, it, you know, it's an honor to be trusted for something yeah. with, with such importance. Yep. That is super cool, and I always enjoy seeing you um, or your team who brings great energy on the New York City Marathon. That's one you mentioned as well. I always see you around mile uh, about the half marathon point. That's one of your splits, correct? Uh, correct, and that yeah, that's where I've personally been for six years, and I oh, I love it. I yeah. love being at halfway, uh, especially they actually close the bridge to spectators, so it's one of the rare places on the course where there's nobody, you know, but like the staff working. Right. And so we set up a speaker and, yep. you know, you get a beautiful view of uh, Manhattan from there as you, as you crest the hill. And uh, it's, it's just a blast. I am also originally from that area. So uh, most years, either my sister was running or my mom and sister would, you know, kind of come and visit me while I was. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, we look forward to all these events coming back sooner than later, but obviously this year, man, um, you had none of that. How, how, how is it? I mean, you know, from your business perspective, emotional perspective, 
How has 2020 been, let's say, before the Upstate Classic? Well, I mean, to put it in perspective, we were scheduled or, you know, in the process of making it official uh, to time about 200 races this year. Mm. And out of 200, six will have happened. Oh, my gosh. And wow. of those six, uh, four of them were before the pandemic. Wow. So besides the events we own, and, and you know, Upstate Classic is one of those, the you know, the reason we exist in this form is because people hire us to provide services to their events and all but two out of 194 at that point after, you know, once we hit mid-March, uh, were canceled. So it is, uh, it is hard to overstate, you know, what it does to a business when almost hundred percent of your revenue dries up. Tell us how the idea for the upstate classic came about. Sure. So over the summer, uh, we do have another event called the Druthers Heldeberg Hudson Half Marathon. Mm-hmm. And that event was originally scheduled for April 18th. And, you know, in mid-March, we we did promptly, uh, we postponed it to August 29th. And kind of the the irony of why we chose that date, uh, and, you know, there's a lot that goes into logistics for events. Yeah. We chose that date simply because it was the last date we could push it back mm-hmm. before we were busy working six to almost 10 events every weekend, mm-hmm. you know, through the beginning of December. So uh, for starters, we picked that date because it was a date, you know, I need everyone on staff. It's a tremendous undertaking. So when we were in the summer and it was starting to become most unfortunately clear that yep. we were not going to have a fall, uh, it, I, I mean, it led to two things, you know, practically speaking. And one is, I mean, we love what we're doing mm-hmm. and, you know, I've always, I've always wanted to create more events. In fact, when we created the Druthers Heldeberg Hudson last year, you know, it was actually the first major road race we'd ever fully, you know, created, produced ourselves working 200 events a year, pretty much from April to November doesn't leave a lot of weekends where, you know, we can put a whole team at producing an event. That's your own, right? Yeah, that's our own. Right. And so I've always been kind of, you know, for better or worse, pigeonholed by that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we love working with our clients. Like it's not, you know, we're not upset, but but this presented an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we also, at that point, we have other events besides, you know, the Druthers event I keep mentioning in Upstate that we had started holding over the summer. And so what became clear was, as we were approaching that Druthers race in August, was that we had a venue, the Altamont Fairgrounds, that uniquely gave us, you know, gave us, I should say, that uniquely facilitated being able to meet the needs of what it takes to be compliant with CDC and New York State regulations and guidelines. Okay. And having that infrastructure there, you know, beyond our plans, but you need the physical space to do it, you know, we thought, well... Everyone wants to run a well. Everyone, you know, like people want a marathon this fall. They want oh, they another did. half. Yep. And uh, you know, the idea was let's create something. So you you put on Druthers, uh, Helderberg to Hudson at the Altmont Fairgrounds. Do you understand that there's going to be a demand for a half marathon and marathon in the fall? I uh, you pick November fifteenth at the Altmont Fairgrounds, um, which was a it's a phenomenal location. Just being there, I mean, it was you know. They could have 30,000 people for events there, I, I'm confident. You know, it's that big of a venue that they probably do have events, you know, non-COVID years, events of that size, right? 
Uh, that is correct. I mean, their fair that you know it's at a fairgrounds and uh, mm -hmm. the Altamont Fair, which is typically it was not held this year, but typically held in mid to late August, does generally attract in excess of twenty thousand attendees. Wow. You know, on top of staff, not to mention, unlike our event for which we barely had any physical structure on grounds besides you know a truss and some some fencing. Mm -hmm. You know, for the fair, obviously there's rides and a lot of other stuff that's you know eating up real estate that would you know, reduce the space people can be, so to speak. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, so you, obviously you can space people out is, which was huge. So that, that makes sense. Um, so when, when you're going for this permit, um, you know, what's, what's the process like and what are the restrictions? What is, who are you going to and what are they telling you? Uh, what are, what are the rules that they're putting in place for you? Sure. So the first thing I do want to interject was there, there was also a 5k. Yeah. And so we, we did have, uh, you know, the, the half was the biggest event. The 5k was slightly smaller. Yep. And then, uh, a diehard select group of a little <laughs> over a hundred people went, went the 26.2 yep. in, in terms of, you know, getting permission, uh, which is hard, obviously yeah. the, from the moment that New York state came up with the guidelines for which things could reopen. You know, I was paying very close attention to that, not just as an event director and manager, but my own curiosity of like, you know, and New York, you know, has, they've uh, said every, you know, it's a scientific approach and we are going to reduce, you know, occupancy of spaces, you know, to 50% or, you know, 33%, depending on what phase of one, two, three, four you're in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, places like Walmart were, they were coming out and saying, you know, we're going to allow one person for every 200 square feet in our store. Okay. So I have a math and computer science background and, you know, especially, I mean, I do race timing and I, I love numbers and organizing things like this. And so I was very intrigued by, by simply that, you know, I mean, you, you have a set amount of space, you have a set number of people. Well, there is an optimization that exists within that space. And you know, the irony to me, as I simply look at this as just a citizen is, you know, okay. So Walmart says we're only going to allow one person for every 200 you know, square feet. And mm -hmm. well, there's a hundred thousand square foot building, you know, mm -hmm. or more. And I mean, the Walmart by me can, the Walmart by me probably had more people in the building during my event than I had over an entire day. <laughs> right. You know, at one moment spread out and over so, 26 miles. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and even, at the, you know, like, I mean, it took us 80 minutes to start. Like right. the total number of people who attended our event were never concurrently, even within a mile of each other, um, you know, based on what time they got there, where they were on the course and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other thing with retail is, okay, great. So Walmart can have a thousand people, but if they're all there to buy toilet paper, right. you know, walking down the same five foot wide aisle, um, you know, I, I get that there's like that stuff's not being, you know, regulated. So right. the way I viewed this was, let's make it safer than what's being allowed. Mm -hmm. And, and so ultimately I wasn't given a template rather. I created a proposal wow. that, you know, and, and because I think also, as I observe what's going on, not just in New York, but around the country is, you know, it's very, I mean, there are other events happening. We're not the only one. And you know, obviously some of the bad press I've seen are, are people that are doing things and not modifying the experience based on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was paramount that, no, we're not doing business as usual, but I'll tell you what we are going to do. 
we're going to make this safer than sitting in a restaurant eating with your mask off, you mm-hmm. know, with 10 other people, which is allowed next to 10 other people. We're going to make it safer than all these other things. And the way we're going to do that, for one thing, is to try to completely control the density of people where they are on site. Okay. So, I mean, for one thing, this is outdoors. And, you know, being outdoors is, is a radically safer experience than, than indoors. And we're going to make it so that there is never a moment where you should feel any pressure or in any way, based by the event, have to be within six feet of someone else let alone substantially, uh, you know, a little bit more than that. So we designed staging areas so that we would have about 40 people in a third of an acre, roughly 13,000 square feet, mm-hmm. so that we could give everyone roughly 250 square feet of social distancing, uh, square feet, which is roughly 20 feet of social distancing. Um, and, you know, we're putting you outside, you're constantly moving uh, you know, around the, the way we designed this flow where, you know, six minutes before you started, you were pulled into the, st- you were, you know, called to the staging area, 40 people get to spread out in a third of an acre, you know, three minutes later, you're pulled into this, you know, the green zone. And then 90 seconds later, you're walked up to a cone that literally tells you exactly where to stand and when you will start. Mm-hmm. So what we had to do was completely mitigate the crowding that typically accompanies a start line. And, you know, my final point on this is this event had a thousand people and we started at max four at a time. So we had 325 starts with everyone and it took us around 80 minutes, just over 80 minutes. If we were conducting this event with the same width, you know, trust and everything in 2019 with this number of people, it would have taken barely over one minute to start everyone. Wow. So just, Think about that in your head. We went from a one-minute start. Yep. Yeah, we went from a one-minute start to an eighty-minute start. Eighty times yeah. longer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I felt it, man. I mean, you you gave me a, a specific cone. I wore my my buff over my face. I was never six feet from anybody and everybody in this corral, uh, the green zone, and then going into the corral had masks on, but they weren't close to me. Um, and then you assigned me a cone. So I went directly to my cone and everybody else had their cone that they were on. And then we started and was it waves of every 10, 15 seconds? What did you have? Every 10 seconds, every, every 10 seconds. Yeah. Every two minutes, every roughly two minutes, there was a buffer of one minute, Mm -hmm. but at most four people started every 10 seconds. And, and then no water, uh, you know, you weren't having volunteers like you normally would hand water. How did you handle that? Sure. So we did have what we called water refill stations on the course, which were contactless. Uh, so we did have staff who they uh, either it was a gallon jug or uh, or a five gallon cooler with a little spigot. We had a single person assigned that would pour or press the button. They were gloved. Mm-hmm. And when someone got to a spot, you know, if you un- unscrewed the cap to your bottle or you had a hydration pack and opened it, they would fill it for you. Uh, you, you know, you both be masked for this. And so we, we would refill people. Now, as it worked out, we, not too many people were taking water. Um, it was a it was colder a day. Cool day, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny actually how it worked out. So the, the marathon was two loops of the half yep. and in the two races combined had roughly 600 people, uh, you know, about 500 and a half and hundred in the full. 
And we had four water stops that were along the route, plus at halfway, you could get some. The first water stop barely went through a gallon of water. Wow. The second one, which it was basically every 5K, not quite, but right. like that. The second one went through two gallons, the third one went through three, and the fourth one went through about four. Um, I had given each of them 50 gallons. You had a lot of water left over. Know? So, I mean, and you know, most people, two things. One, if you're running with two 20-ounce bottles and it's you know 38 degrees yeah. out, you're not drinking that much. Yeah. And secondly... We did allow people, you know, with everything going on, they, they could leave a bottle out for themselves if they had a family member yep. uh, that was, you know, helping them. And and that also is such a tough part of what's going on because, you know, we want people, I mean, if, if your husband or wife or, you know, sibling, whatever, wants to help you, you know, you live with somebody, um, we certainly want to encourage that. I mean, that is reducing further yep. the number of interactions with people that are in your household. So we did allow people, we, we kind of delicately approached how it because, you know, the, the course was open to cars. So we're running on back roads, but it's like, I don't want to inundate the streets with people who are only there because of the race. Right. But uh, we, we did allow people to, to be out there helping others. Yeah. And you, ba- I mean, you had to, you had to, you know, ba- it was a balance and you got, you, you probably walked a fine line on some level on a lot of this of, you know, throughout the, the, the weeks and months beforehand and probably on, you know, pins and needles waiting for bad news to come. Um, is that the case? Did you ever feel like, all right, this thing just isn't going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the last week or two leading up to it, as uh, the case counts were going up, right. you know, I was definitely nervous. And I mean, one thing that, I mean, this is such a difficult time for all of us. And you know, some, something that I was saying over the summer in some of our materials to people was, you know, of course, we hope that zero people at this event, you know, are have COVID, you know, slash are contagious with it. I mean, that is, you know, of course. But we said, you know, if someone has it, obviously, they better not know because we know all these other rules like, you know, mm-hmm. if you have symptoms, don't show up, you know. But but if someone, you know, you truly innocently did not know and had no reason to suspect it, our goal was to design this event that if I had a thousand people there and you know what, if seven showed up that had it, mm-hmm. well, two weeks later, zero people would have it that were at that, you know, they, they were otherwise be a spreader. Else, right. Right. That, yep. that no one else was going to get it. And mm-hmm. you know, and that's when it comes to uh, statistics and math, like, you know, the whole concept of gatherings and groups, you know, a gathering and CDC recommends you should maximize, you know, not being within six feet of other people as much as you can while at a gathering. Well, you're never within six feet of somebody else. I mean, unless you are trying to be, um, you know, this isn't a concert. We're not all standing in the same place trying to watch a band or a wedding, you know, catching Mm -hmm. some, some moment we want to see. So, you know, we really feel that if done the way that we're doing it and others are that it really, really is safe. It's in the same fashion. You can go to a park right now, you know, be responsible. Don't hang out on top of other people and enjoy being outside and moving. Yeah. Um, so what, what has been the response from, you know, the jurisdictions that you dealt with or any health department officials or anybody like that? The response has been phenomenal. I mean, it has for all of our events and you know, the, so the thing that we're also straddling is, so we need permission to do this. Mm -hmm. And 
whoever gives us permission is therefore, you know, also vouching is in essence accepting responsibility. They're on the hook. Yes. They're, they're on the hook. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's been very difficult because why would anyone want to be on the hook? <laughs> right. You know, what right. are they benefiting? Right. And, you know, I feel that we're offering something of great importance to those who, you know, for, for whom this is something they want to do. But, you know, most places are just like, no, no, you can't do anything. No. And, and it really is frustrating because, you know, especially jumping back to your previous question, you know, was I nervous it wouldn't happen? Well, as we put online, we are compliant in more ways than like they would have to shut down New York state for it not to have happened. Josh, I want to hop in here for a second and talk a little bit about the emotional connection to the race. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's going to be an interesting amount of, um, you know, fallout in terms of when we get to the other side of COVID and, and hopefully that's sometime in the next year. But, you know, people are number one, you know, scared of getting sick or trying to protect the people around them. Um, but a lot of people are struggling in different ways, right? Like people have lost uh, business, they've lost jobs, um, they've lost loved ones. Um, and, and what running does and has always done is bring people together. I think that's been something that maybe hasn't been quite talked about much um, in how these races provide goals, they provide inspiration. Um, so uh, you sent us this email and I think Chris and I were both crying reading it. I'm sure you were crying reading it, <laughs> but it's a reminder to us that like, it's not just about racing, right? It's not just about having an opportunity to get out there. It's about the emotion that people are dealing with in their life that maybe they need something to work towards. They need something positive in their lives. And this is just a beautiful example of what your race this past weekend did for the community so i'm um, we're gonna embarrass you here right, yeah, and obviously we <laughs> we're not gonna use any names um but but here goes hi josh thank you from the bottom of my heart for yesterday's event i'm sure i don't need to tell you that for many of us it was more than just an opportunity to race for me it was an opportunity to prove that despite a year of major setbacks i am not a failure and i can find success joy and hope in my life after losing loved ones Permanently closing the doors to my business and filing for two bankruptcies this year, I turned to marathon training to shift my focus from the overwhelming sadness and grief I felt to something positive, a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. This morning, I'm walking weird and my feet don't look so great, but I'm really happy and proud of what I accomplished yesterday. I just want to tell you that you should be incredibly proud of what you and your ARE staff do. You didn't just create a safe, successful race during a pandemic yesterday. You gave me and possibly others the opportunity to have faith again. I'm beyond thankful to you, the ARA team, and your volunteers. Mm. Wow. Yeah, um, try, try <laughs> to listen to that and not get well done. I know. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. I mean, as hard as it was, Josh, I'm sure those weeks leading up to it and, and you know, racking your brain for months of, of trying to figure mm -hmm. out how we can make this happen. It's a business for you, but it's so much more than that. It's about giving people hope. It's about providing a space for inspiration of, of goal setting and accomplishing something they didn't think they could do. Um, it's just a beautiful moment to celebrate that. I'm sure in all of the nervousness about potentially closing the race down, <laughs> you know, you know, somebody taking a leap of faith to sponsor, you know, the idea of this happening. 
um, you know, the morning of trying to make sure that people were safe and, and socially distanced and taking, taking good care of themselves. Like this is on the other end of it is these, these stories of, of hope and inspiration. And that's what people need right now. Yeah. When, uh, yes, uh, when I received this email, I mean, yes, it floored me. Uh, and I, you know, I shared with you without, without who it is, uh, the message. Mm-hmm. And we did receive other ones, you know, similar to this with this idea and vibe. And I, I actually called this person. Uh, it's not every, you know, like I, it's like, this is, this is more than just an email response. You didn't call all thousand people. Uh, you didn't call no, me. no, I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> you didn't call me. Come on. No, I know. I sorry. Know. Sorry. But, Go ahead. I'm ruining the moment. Go ahead. But messages like this, I mean, it's, I love what I do. And, you know, and it's a double-edged sword because as my wife jokes at me, like, well, you know, one day when I retire, I'm just going to do what I'm doing. Like, it's not, <laughs> you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I reached a point where, you know, it could be my quote unquote occupation. But I mean, I, I did this for years and years where, you know, it was my hobby. And I mean, of course it is my hobby. Uh, it's very time demand consuming. <laughs> so I'm thankful that I, I can commit myself to it. But, but yes, uh, messages like this and you know on a set like i should do more yoga and <laughs> I, I i jumped to that because i could do yoga for free watching a youtube video mm-hmm. but unless i pay the 10 15 20 bucks to get myself to yoga class i'm not doing it right and you know having a race an in-person race a a moment where it's not just the experience you're going to have but it's also you know, you commit to it. It's something tangible you can latch on to, you know, on this date in two months and four months, six, whatever it is, um, you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to work as hard as I can. And I'm going to challenge myself in a way that nothing else in my life challenges me. And there's fear and excitement and apprehension and all these things about it. But that's, but that's the beauty and how unique it is. And, you know, also there, you know, I'm torn with the notion of, you know, the term essential, you know, right now, what's essential? I mean, we can order our food online. Like, mm-hmm. you really have no reason you have to leave your house. Everything can, you know, if we really wanted to to break it down. But, but you know, some things remain, okay, we can, you know, go to the grocery store. Okay, we definitely need food. You know, do you need to buy, you know, more clothes? You know, you could order it online if you have those means. But, but is buying a new T-shirt, you know, going to give you this, this reaction right. of like, you know, I... I worked so hard for this and I know that may sound a little, you know, silly in a sense, but you know, what is more essential than having belief in yourself and being healthy and what encourages that for so, I mean, for, you know, literally millions of Americans is being able to get on a start line Mm -hmm. and, and the joy of the finish line. And, you know, we saw a lot of posts on Facebook, how, you know, the motivation of a finish line is what gets me out the door you know, for a hundred runs before I cross it. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about, I mean, we have people ask us now, you know, what next, you know, what, what <laughs> am I training for? What is my purpose? Right. And, you know, it's double-edged sword in the sense I've used that term more than once now. Yeah. Um, I need a break personally. Like I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's, it's you been do. a very hard you year. <laughs> and, you know, when, you know, when we have an event with thousands of people, even if only a small percentage are emailing you or have questions or just, on top of directing the event, it's, uh, you know, every day you kind of just feel like you can't keep up with it. You know, at the same time, you know, I do feel like you said, you know, we're providing a service and an experience and something that, 
th- these are memorable days. I mean, we had so many people run their first, you know, 5k half and full marathons. Like these are days you take with you for the rest of your life. Yep. And it is such an honor to get, to be trusted by people to show up in the community, to produce it, to, to be able to be part of those memories. So, you know, we, we want to do more because of emails like this. And, and for myself, I've had these same experiences uh, you know, and I've, we're also obviously dealing with with some tough times, you know, as a company right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what better feeling of elation than when you when you nail that race that you've been targeting for so long? Well, you and your staff nailed it um, last week, man. Um, it was an amazing experience. I can I can vouch personally that email. Uh, I think summed it up better than than, than any of us could. Um, Congrats, man. Congrats. Um, you, t- you do deserve a break. Take a week off before you decide what's next. Take two weeks. Heck, I, I take would, the rest I would of the love year. two weeks. I, I think my wife would appreciate also, uh, you know, I put 25 hours a day into the races right. and I, I should find a few minutes for, yes. for some other things right. uh, to, to have a little more balance. Yeah, you really should. Well, you've earned it, man. All right. Well, I really appreciate you sharing, uh, you know, you, you, you sharing the story about the race and in your year and, and your business. It's really inspiring, man. Uh, great, great stuff. And um, can't wait for, for whatever's next with, with you and ARE. I appreciate it. And just give me at least two weeks before we talk. <laughs> All right. That's my buddy. That's our buddy, Josh Merlis. He's the AREAP founder and operator. Uh, great stuff, Josh. Really appreciate it, man. Hey, always a pleasure to chat with you both. All right, there he goes. Josh Merlis of ARE. It's AREEventProductions.com. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We will take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks again to Josh Merlis of ARE event productions and are of course is albany running exchange uh event productions who put on the upstate marathon half marathon and 5k this past week um i just want to say a special thank you to josh because (laughs) we have put on a one single person road race Mm -hmm. to to keep this streak alive we have he just totally outdid us with this thousand-person yeah, race to keep the streak alive. To keep the streak alive, and you know, basically, he did that race for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, Josh. he called me about three months ago and says, "I got your sub three marathon." And wow. I said, "Oh, really?" Hmm. So uh, the streak lives on, but let's be honest, it's not about the streak. It was about the thousand plus people who were out there on Sunday. And honestly, um, you know, we didn't mention this, but. It's crazy that they got it in because I'm not sure if he had to wait another week, would he have been able to get it in? I mean, the way the numbers are going. So um, I didn't want to mention that because that seems negative to me. We didn't need to go down the negative train. Well, timing is everything. Yeah. Um, And state by state, the restrictions are um, coming down from the governor's office. And so, you know, it, it was, I don't know if it was lucky, but it was strategically planned and, you know, yep. thankful to be able to have had executed safely this incredible event. Yep. 
and I'm sure it will be an event that will, will be a yearly event. So uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, post COVID, I'm sure it's going to be even uh, that much more inspirational. So uh, upstate classic market on your calendars for whenever that is 2021. Was this the first time you ran a marathon solo? I mean, because you essentially ran yeah, it was an pretty entire much solo. race That's a good by question. yourself. Yeah. No fans. Yeah. You weren't, I mean, there really, were, you weren't really running there with anybody. There were people on the course. I mean, there was energy. It's a good question. There was really energy out there that was um, way more. It would have been that would, it was way better than if I just went out on the Custis Trail and tried to do 13.1 out and back. Um, you know, and there was, there was a level of like professionalism that raised my anxiety level and nervousness that really made it so I would go to the well, mm -hmm. you know, and, and run harder than I would have had I been just doing it on my own. I mean, it, it was, it was alone, but it was a, I, I would say a 15 minute, a 15 minute bump. You know, the pace the nation bump is, yeah. is a few seconds. Well, docs would have like had a, a real issue if it wasn't a real race. Right. Oh, so if you did no. this on the Custis trail, we would no. have had to put an oh, asterisk oh, next to your gosh. 2020 the double event. asterisk. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely the most isolated I've been during a marathon that I've done. Even breaking three, I had people around me all the time. All right. One more thing I wanted to insert that uh, we didn't get to in the interview. Uh, Josh encouraged us to check out the ARE event production uh, website, aerieeventproductions.com backslash race safe. Uh, and that's where you can learn more about all the specifics on how his company has adapted to racing safely in the age of COVID-19. Uh, so that was a really good resource there. Uh, so check it out because they really did, you know, so many things, so many little details that made the race safe and just an unbelievable experience. aerieeventproductions.com backslash race safe. All right, this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with seven area D.C. locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Uh, we are up and running in Georgetown, so you can check us out there on M Street. Uh, also, uh, we have a holiday pop-up shop right next to our Old Town Alexandria store. Go by our store on King Street and check out our holiday-related running items and just holiday-related items in general. You know I love the holidays. Love the holidays, the best time of year. So uh, make sure you check out King Street for those um, those must-have items that they're selling at our uh, holiday pop-up store. We did break the rule of uh, not getting into the holidays before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Last yeah, night, we we, uh, we watched the Polar Express we with did. the boys, had yeah. some hot chocolate. We did, yeah. That yeah, was, was really, good, I, I, I love the, we, we kicked off the holiday season last night. Yeah. We really did. And then in, in my favorite type of fashion, we're rolling into a weekend with 60 degree weather. So <laughs> perfect. You know, also, uh, you know, a place to go for the holidays that is fantastic. Uh, Random Road Brewery uh, over there on Preston Avenue in Charlottesville. Uh, they've got these, these outdoor tents that are heated. And you can sit out there, socially distance, enjoy yourself a random row beer. Uh, it's phenomenal. So check them out on Preston Avenue next time you're in Charlottesville during the holidays. All right, I mentioned in the intro that there was a local runner who was trying to break a record. Uh, this runner has been on Pace the Nation in the past. Care to guess who I'm talking about? I don't know if I want to call her a local runner anymore. Right, that's true. She's like a super elite now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she went from local runner to like smashing all of the elites <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah, and of course you're talking about Cara Diamato. 
uh, who is trying to break the American record in the 10 miler on Monday. Uh, and here in DC, here in DC. Yep. So the folks over at cherry blossom, uh, Phil Stewart and his team are putting together a very small elite event. They're calling it the Updog 10 miler and, um, it'll happen this Monday. So next week on pace the nation, we'll give you the results. The record for 10 miles, uh, the American record for 10 miles on the female side. Do you know what that record is? So the American record, the, the women's American record was set by Janet Bauckham, mm-hmm. April 6, 2014 at the Cherry Blossom 10 miler. Yes. And what makes this moment for Kira really exciting is Kira was actually holding the banner at the finish line. <laughs> really? When Janet Bauckham uh, broke the American record and she was not serious into running at that point. She was still a runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was obviously a phenomenal runner, um, in college, but took time away from it. And she was standing there holding the banner and you know, what a, what a swing and turn of events that <laughs> that's funny, you know, six years later, she is going to be, uh, attempting to go after that exact record with Phil Stewart and his team. Yeah. So I think, Good I actually, nugget. yeah, I think Kira actually, uh, she might be on the board or she helps out with the cherry blossom, uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and she, like you said, has become a, not just some sort of local elite. She lives in Richmond, but she's become a national elite contending for American records and anything out there. I mean, she can compete with the best and, She's recently run. We talked about um, her her fifteen oh four five k. I think she ran a road five k recently, and about fifteen oh seven as well. So, um, she's definitely someone that got the bump. Yeah, she did get the bump from Pace the Nation. Maybe we should get her on before the show on Monday and see if we can help her with an extra bump. I like it. That's Is there good, such? Are there double bumps? They're good. There there Triple are bumps? there are double bumps. She should she should seek us out. I really think if she really wants that double bump. Yeah. All right. Great show, Julie. Thanks to our guest, Josh Merlis today. He, of course, is of A-R-E Event Productions, A-R-E Event Productions.com. Check out what they're doing. All right. Thanks to our listeners. Special shout out to all our listeners who supported me during our, my attempt for the 22nd consecutive sub three marathon got a lot of twitter love out there i really appreciate it yeah we couldn't close the show out without bringing it back to you (laughs) all right that's julie (laughs) cully i'm chris farley this is space nation we'll see you next week
I want to let you know that Chris held up a piece of paper in the middle of us talking, and on the paper it says, "I'm going to have you read the." Email. I'm going to have you read the email. <laughs> and I thought she said no. I don't know. So, so that's why I was like, "All right, well then I'll do like the." You'll set the, it up. I'll set it up. Yep, yep, right. You did a great job. And then as soon as I go to read the email, he cuts me off. So oh, I was God. like, what in the world? Oh, Jesus. Um, We're going to have to work on some reflective listening with both of you. <laughs>